Our scripture reading today is found in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Let's pray. Lord, open our hearts and our minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. The word of God. I don't exactly remember um, which kid it was who um, experienced this. They certainly don't remember. They were tiny. But I, we were getting ready to go somewhere, and um, one of them was dragging, and I heard the words come out of my mouth, get your britches on and come on. And when I did, I thought, I never say britches. Who in the world says britches? And I remembered my dad said britches. Usually when I was dragging and he wanted me to hurry up, he would tell me to get my britches on and move. And um, I, I, I see some really young, confused looks. Britches is another word for pants. Now, I never said, let me go buy some britches or, hey, Robin, could you see if you can get some britches for me? But in that moment, I, the very words of my dad came out of my mouth. And that wasn't the only time. I, I could remember for some reason, the, the real threat of a spanking had to be um, taking my belt off, doubling it over, and making the popping noise that immediately made my posture get straight. And some of y'all, I can tell, you experienced that. Others, Now, it's not as though somebody sat me down and said, now, here's how you make a popping noise and get your kid to behave. It was just, that's what my dad did. And without thinking, I find myself doing things my parents do. There's times I, I, I say stuff and I roll my eyes and think, that's, I, I get so frustrated when my mom does that, but here I am doing it. Because being human, we grow up formed and shaped by the people around us. They, they, they make us who we are. Um, Jesus was fully God, completely divine fully the, 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 the fullness of God dwell in him, but he was also fully human. He grew up from an infant, and though he was in some ways full of knowledge, someone had to teach him how to tie his shoes. 
Someone had to help him draw letters, Aleph, Bet, Gimel, we're going to write the alphabet. Someone had to teach him uh, how to hold the hammer and do the work of a carpenter. And like anyone else, it, it, it appears that as he was formed and shaped in his character, like all of us, the way we learn right from wrong and obedience and character and morality is watching our parents do it, live life, be faithful. We, we learn right from wrong and obedience to God's law very much in the way we grow up, which means though he was fully divine, though he was the author of those Ten Commandments, Joseph modeled and showed him what it was to be obedient to God. And in many ways, the way Jesus would have grown to understand God's law would have been following Joseph and Mary. And we see here, we we hear very little about Joseph, but what we do here shows us a godly man, a godly man who was one Jesus could emulate. And, And the incredible irony of as Joseph was showing Jesus what it meant to follow God, he was only reflecting who Jesus himself is, that he was reflecting God to God in human flesh. So before our minds start doing flips on that, let us look at Joseph and the way he shows us um, the very character of the God who was born to him. We're told that he was, the ESV says, a just man. I I would prefer the term righteous just because justice seems to be just kind of the rules, right? And he was a just man. So here, here, here is Joseph's situation. I'm not sure we always feel the weight of it. Joseph was betrothed to Mary. Now, we kind of hear that as engaged. Engagement uh, for us could be called off with um, hopefully something more than a text, but a phone call, some tears, a bucket of ice cream, and an engagement can be taken care of. A betrothal was a legal arrangement. There's a contract. There's witnesses. At that time, they would have had a dowry. So Joseph would have given a certain large sum of money to Mary, Mary's family, as evidence of his intention. And there would have been several months, possibly up to a year, before there was the actual coming together, before she moved in, before there was a marriage. And so there's a legal arrangement that they're in. And as they're here... Mary is discovered to be pregnant. Joseph can only think one thing. And he had to have been crushed. He had to have felt betrayal. He had to have felt all the emotions we would have had when he's saying, I, I know this isn't my child, and she, who was she with? But it's more than that because that would have been breaking the Mosaic law. It, it was not enforced at this time because they were under Rome, but had it been under the, biblical, under the Old Testament law um, at the time when they were independent, she has been unfaithful to him and would have faced the death penalty. 
More than that, Joseph would have known the, the, the shame that's brought on families because they weren't just individualistic. They were part of a family, a, a network of families, and honor and shame had a lot to do with your standing and your reputation. And he's facing all this, and he wants to do what's right because to do what's right is to protect my family, to say, I didn't do this, and to, to say there's going to be divorce because this betrothal requires legal divorcing. It's not just something that's called off like an engagement. And he wants to do what's right. He wants to do what's just. He, he can't condone what has happened. He can't say this is good. He can't say that my family's going to endure this, and yet... He is showing his righteousness, yet he shows his justice. He shows his righteousness that exceeds the righteousness of the Pharisees and the scribes because it is also a caring and loving and merciful righteousness. We're told that being a righteous man, he was unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. In other words... He wanted to do what's right, but he also wanted to do what was good for her. Now, understanding what he knows at this time, not knowing the fullness of the message, he's doing only what he, he understands and what he knows, and so he comes up with the decision, okay, I'm going to have to end this, but he's going to end it in a way to give her as much protection and safety as he can. He is merciful. So what does he do? He's going to put her away quietly. In other words, instead of coming up with this legal dispute and saying, here's what's happened, I'm calling this off, I want everybody to know that I'm just in this, what he does is he's wanting to just say, okay, we're ending this, there's a couple of witnesses, and we don't make a big deal out of it. And that also means that financially he's, he's releasing the dowry. Because without the, the, the public trial, there's no claim to get the money back. So he's willing to say, I'm going to take the cost. I'm going to bear the price for what Mary has done. His mercy is shown even greater because he has given the vision of this is what happens. Of um, um, The angel comes and says, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary, your wife, for this, what is conceived of her is of the Holy Spirit. And he believes the angel and he trusts. And so what does he do? He names the baby. We'll come back some to the name. But in naming the baby, what Joseph does is gives validity. He, he makes Jesus part of the legal line of David. And he also takes the shame upon himself. Because he's tacitly saying, what has happened here is mine. What happened here is my action, and he's willing to take the shame. He's willing to take the legal and financial and all the burden of the law upon himself to protect and care for Mary and this child. He bears our shame, or he bears the shame in the same way that his son will bear our shame because his righteousness is a righteousness that is merciful and loving. He doesn't know what's going on. He goes to sleep. There's the dream. The angel says, Joseph, son of David, which is critical because Jesus is in the air, the line of David. Don't be afraid to take Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived of her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. She will name him Jesus. 
Uh, he will save his people from their sins. The name Jesus is the same name Joshua in the Old Testament. Both of them are from the Hebrew, um, Yeshua, which is Yahweh is salvation. Yahweh saves. God saves, but not just abstract God. God who has named, who has entered into covenant with his people. We're going to say more about that this evening. But, but he's naming the salvation, but he shows us what this salvation looks like. It is fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Shall name his, his name shall be Emmanuel, which is God with us. This is how our God saves us. He saves us from our sin. He comes to us in the brokenness of this world, in, in the rejection of futility of our sin. He comes into this darkness, but he himself comes to us. When Matthew says his name shall be Emmanuel, he's not saying, oh, by the way, Jesus had this cool nickname at school. They said he was God with it. No, there's no record of everybody saying Emmanuel. He's telling us who he is and what he does. He's saying he is God in the flesh. This is as much of a claim of the incarnation as John saying, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is God. Matthew is making a stunning claim here, and he says that this is the way God saves you. This is the way he reconciles you from your sin. This is what he does. God doesn't work from a distance. Get that Bette Midler song out of your head. He comes to you where you are, in your suffering, in your sin, in your rebellion, in your wondering what in the world is going on in your life. He is with you. And it's not just saying that he comes with us here in this moment, and he, he goes to the cross, and he bears our sins, and he rises again, and he's gone. He's still with us. He is still Emmanuel. Your salvation is worked out every day as you trust in him, as you obey him, as you follow him. He is working in your life to make you more like him. And he does that by being with you, continuing to be God with you. Matthew puts this here. And we're going to hear the very words of Jesus as we work our way through the gospel of Matthew, when two or three are gathered in my name, I'm with you. I don't know how many are here this morning, but we've beat the quota. He is here in this moment. He's calling you, trust in me. He's comforting you through the words of the hymns and the table and the prayers and brothers and sisters. He's saying, Whatever you're going through, God is not distant. The one who came a baby and was in the manger is the one who is now with you through his own body, through his body broken, through his word that is speaking to you and calling you to trust in him and to follow him in obedience. Which is why Matthew bookends his gospel with a reminder. He is to be Emmanuel, which is God with us. And what does God with us tell us before he is resurrected? At the very end of Matthew, he gathers his disciples, and he's about to ascend into heaven, and he says, go into all the world. Go to the nations and baptize them and make disciples and teach them all that I've commanded, and I am with you. 
It's the promise that his church continues his mission, sharing his gospel, and he is continuing to be with us in whatever we do. God is with us no less at this moment than he was at that moment in the womb of Mary. And how is he received? Joseph, do you ever have those moments you really have no clue what's going on, but you nod and agree like you do? And you just, let me just fake it and keep going. I have to think that's what Joseph is doing. The angel says, don't be afraid to take her as your wife. What's conceived of her is from the Holy Spirit. Now, that still leaves a lot more questions than it answers, right? There's a whole lot of things here. I mean, none of us understand how in the world can the God who spoke into existence, all those incredible galaxies we see from the Hubble satellite pictures, suddenly become this big and wrap its hand around a frightened young mother. But we do in church what Joseph did. We, we nod, we say, we understand, we, we understand a bit of it, but we don't understand. We can't comprehend. But he believes and he trusts. And that trust is worked out in obeying because he does what is said to do. He takes Mary as his wife and he gives this baby the name Jesus, saying he's mine. He adopts him. He gives him all the credibility of the line, the legal line to David and says, he's my son. And that very much shows us that as we trust, now now faith is not believing things we know are false. Faith isn't overlooking things we know not to be true. But faith is not understanding everything. But faith is trusting what we do know. And what we do know is God is with us, and he loves us. And as we trust in him... He redeems us and makes us his own and promises to never leave us or forsake us. And that's worked out in obedience. For, for Joseph, it wasn't that he, he, he said, okay, I'll, I'll take Jesus and take Mary, and that earns him a right with God, but it is a necessary result of faith. He couldn't say, I believe this, I trust this, but I'm not going to act on it. And it's the same with us. As God is calling you to trust in him, you might have a lot of questions about the way things in the church work. You might have a lot of questions about Jesus and God and forgiveness. We don't understand it all. But faith isn't understanding. Faith is trusting what we do understand. Trust in him. Obey him. And and for us to trust him, that, that, that might be things that there's things in your life that you know that you need to stop doing. Faith works itself out in, in obedience. There might be things in your life that there's people you need to reach out and, and care for and show love to. to. To follow him is worked out in obedience. He does trust what he understands, gives up on the rest, and then obeys as a result of that. And that's what we do. And in doing so, we receive Christ, who through him means that we are now adopted as children of our heavenly father, Jesus' true father. We follow him in a righteousness that is greater than just following the rules, but a righteousness that shows mercy and love and trust in the one who took our guilt and our shame and adopted us into his family.
Now unto him who is able to do more than we can ask or imagine, be honor and glory and power forever. Amen. Would you please stand and let us state what we believe through the words of the Apostles' Creed. <clears throat> 